from Additive here. It feels like I've barely said goodbye from the last episode, and here I am again, massaging your ears with my Scottish brogue. Lucky you. So, that's three episodes in under a month. Why the rush, Mr. Dave? Well, the reason I've released a flurry of episodes is, firstly, because I neglected the podcasts over the summer, and secondly, because I'm clearing the decks so that I can start afresh with a new sponsored series. But I'm still... Not telling you who's sponsoring the podcasts just yet. You'll have to wait until the next episode where I'm going to announce everything officially. So, what have we got in the podcast bag today? Well, my daughter's back with her advertising review, and she was pretty positive this time. But first up, we've got the final interview from the New York trilogy. This time it's with Spencer Osborne, who's one of Ogilvy's global MDs. Their office is way out west in Manhattan, looking over the Hudson, and it's still pretty new and shiny. So we grabbed a meeting room and a couple of coffees, and this is what he had to say. I'm sitting in the very lovely Ogilvy offices with Spencer Osborne. Hello, Spencer. Hello. Um, Being the MD of Ogilvy is quite an enviable position to have. can you tell me, how do you go about getting a job like that? Well, I'm not the MD of Ogilvy. I'm an MD at Ogilvy, for a start. I mean, to clear that up. Um, so I'm a worldwide managing director, which basically means that I run global client business. Um, my current client is SAP, large um, software corporation that makes software for corporations to give them insight into their business. How did I end up here? Um, Started at Ogilvy out of school on their famous grad scheme in London. I was very fortunate to be hired by uh, Miles Young, who's now our global CEO. So I've actually known him for 20 years. And I just worked my way up over the years, um, worked on a number of really interesting businesses, and was hired back into Ogilvy after a brief stint at Euro um, in 99 to be a kind of a 360 business lead on a large part of the IBM business. So I actually started off um, at O&M Direct in the direct marketing space. Um, I sort of crawled up through the line on the IBM business and then went to work at Euro RSUG Winnet Gospel, which was a pure play advertising shop at the time. I worked on all of their uh, technology brands and um, in a moment of prescience said to the MD, hmm, I think this internet thing's going to be quite big. <laughs> Uh, maybe we should start a capability. So I actually uh, founded EuroCG Interactive um, in London um, together with a colleague from uh, our Salt Lake City um, agency and then sort of became the business development director for EuroCG Interactive. So I started in direct, went into advertising and then went into digital. And for that sort of trifecta of... Uh, understanding is what made me attractive to Ogilvy again to run um, a piece of IBM 360. Uh, And 360s are a rather old-fashioned term these days. Uh, um, But it was very fashionable for a long time and we did it very, very well at Ogilvy for a long time. 
That was when you were very much kind of in control of your brand's relationship with um, its target audience, but we're not so much now. The, the media landscape has become incredibly fragmented, and I really don't think of myself as being in the advertising business anymore. Um, at the end of the day, you know, nothing, what we do has not changed, because what we do is help clients solve business problems using communication solutions. In the old days, it was very easy. You could guarantee, you know, X percent of the nation would be sitting in front of the telly at 6 p.m. on a Saturday, and you could get something to them that way. Um, these days, I think of myself as more being in the content creation business. And so what we tend to do, uh, in the old days, you used to shoot everywhere and show it in one place. Uh, now we you know, shoot once and show it in all sorts of different places. And really it's now about creating content that you can hopefully connect with the audience under generally their conditions and rules rather than yours. But it actually the complexity for me makes it all the more interesting because um, just making one television spot and some print ads is actually quite dull. Um, we presented something the other day which was an experiential piece at a client um, customer, uh, customer event whereby um, the piece would know who was walking up to it because of technology in their event attendance badge and flow information onto the screen in real time in front of them that's designed for that uh, person themselves. Now, we would know that they are, for instance, the COO of a manufacturing company based in Illinois making their shipping to the rest of the world, and we would you know, pull information in real time Set, show it to them to help attract their attention and then allow them to select to have it sent directly to their email address so that they can get that. Now that, to me, is much more interesting than um, standing up in a room and saying, we open on a beach in the Cayman Islands. Um, it, it's uh, far more intellectual and it's about really creating dialogues with people rather than just telling and selling, it's about starting a relationship and starting a, 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 a proper conversation with them. And I think that is also very interesting because there are so many myriad ways to do that now that finding the right ones, you know, 360 was about doing it all, making it all look the same, you know, in a sense. Uh, now it's really about, you, you can't do everything, you've got to prioritise. So it's like finding the right things, which is the, 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 the obvious way of it's all about the targeting. Rory Sutherland, who you should try and interview if possible. He, he's on the second podcast and he'll be back on the next podcast, actually. I'm sure he will, <laughs> by popular demand. Right, I don't know whether you've heard Rory's piece on the subject, which is the, the, the sort of the 60 years of... Um, sort of TV, radio and print dominance were actually an, uh, an aberration, really. Before that, it was all about social. It was all about word of mouth. Yeah. And we're just going back to it, but we're just doing it in a different way because of the technology. But really, that kind of monolithic um, way of presenting your brand to the public, that was just a 60-year aberration and actually a whole lifetime of it all being about word of mouth. Mm. Now you're saying there about that um, 
that thing you did the other day at the event where it was very personalised to the person. That there's one of the things that Bernbach said about creativity, that he was saying that you needed creativity because that was what was going to make you stand out from everything else that was out there. And that was the way of getting a point of differentiation. Uh, now when there's so much stuff out there, the, the point of differentiation, many people are saying, is the targeting rather than the creativity. Would you say that targeting has taken over as the most important thing? I think t targeting has always been probably the most important thing. So, you know, when I first started at O&M Direct uh, in 1991, we were told that uh, in difference between best and worst, targeting was actually the most important thing, and creative was the thing that came at the bottom. And this is a direct marketing mm. view of things, but that was a treatise by kind of David Ogilvy himself, who was a great believer in creativity. You need to try and get all of those, the other things right, the targeting, the offer, the timing. But creativity can, if you get all of those right, then you can start to tinker with the creativity. Now, uh, in a perfect world, you would be able to get all of those things right, and then you would be able to differentiate yourself with creativity. We all know that we don't live in a perfect world. I still think that there's a huge amount, I mean, creativity is the be all and end all because there's even creative targeting creative in how you're thinking about targeting these people so I think that the creativity is actually um, and we at Ogilvy talk about pervasive creativity there needs to be creativity in everything you're doing not just uh, the coming from the creative department so uh, it's very much kind of a dogma here that creativity is not is not a is not a department creativity is something that everyone has to bring to the party um, so I wouldn't agree that targeting is the be-all and end-all but I would say that creativity is the way that you're going to actually tonally set yourself apart and at the end of the day people um, form quite personal relationships with brands um, some of that's going to be in the experience but some of that is in how the brand is choosing to present themselves as well mm. and uh, that you know people will make um, rational buying decisions based on emotional criteria sometimes just merely to do with the creativity that's been exhibited by the brand sometimes to do with more rational things that they might believe about the brand but you know if you think about the most emotional purchases, you know, I'm a petrol head, which Americans always look at me and go, bloody hell are you talking about? I love cars. I could never drive a Toyota Camry because to me it's like the automotive equivalent of a fridge. So uh, how that, how a car brand chooses to um, sell itself to me and show itself to me is massively influential in, in my personal relationship with that brand. And I think that's where you see some of the most uh, interesting approaches um, in how the, the creative approach. For instance, I think Audi have uh, rather shot themselves in the foot right now, although I'm sure the sales will speak differently, because they're selling themselves against Mercedes in quite a snarky way. And I'm finding myself disliking the Audi brand because it's, it, seems, it seems like a low blow. And so I'm sure maybe it's going to win lots of awards and all that sort of thing. 
But I think that that creativity could backfire on them because uh, mm. it's it's giving it's giving an association to the brand which I don't think is something that they want to have long term. Mm. So with traditional advertising approaches, which a majority of agencies are still trying to 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 use to be able to reach the audience. Um, do you see adaptations that uh, are working at the moment or adaptations that still need to be made within the industry? Well, I think the, the biggest problem that this industry has um, is that uh, we do a piss-poor job of retaining and attracting the right kind of talent. And I think we're going to be... Um, there are so many other interesting careers that people that would have naturally found themselves in advertising can go do now, that it's a problem. I mean, when I first started, advertising was a very glamorous career. You know, it was a glamorous career, it attracted oddball, very smart people um, with, a, with a passion to work far harder than was good for them and to do crazy odd things and you know dream big and execute even bigger there are lots of places where you can go and have a career doing that now and i think that we're going to find we're going to wake up in about five or ten years and discover that um the level of creative people and i don't mean in the creative department i mean the level of creativity in the advertising workforce as a whole is dropping mm -hmm. and has dropped significantly from where it used to be because we uh, are doing a very bad job of um, aggressively going after the right kind of people as they're, as they're entering the workforce. Mm. So that's the biggest thing, and that's probably an, an unusual answer because it's not kind of necessarily media or execution related. You know, I think uh, I'm amazed at how slow some of the big agency networks are being, have been, um, at, at adopting digital stuns me yeah um, unbelievable um, and I'm amazed at and there are less and less of them in this building now very few of them indeed in fact who just think TV first um, I, I don't TV isn't dying like when you know radio started, it didn't kill print. When you know telemarketing started, it didn't kill shops. The internet hasn't killed you know bricks and mortar. Um, there's still a need for all sorts of you know physical experiences. So I don't think TV's dead, but I think it's really now more about moving image because you know we're all walking around with little TVs in our hands, and uh, I think if the smart people are thinking mobile first, not TV first. So that's, you know, we've been very slow to adapt as, a, as a, an industry. And, a, um, and I think now you're going to see the convergence of, like, the, the very, very good digital shops who really started almost as production facilities to with the upstream brand thinking of the shops that traditionally thought TV first. And I think that's going to be a very interesting convergence. Mm -hmm. and, and I've got, you know, very senior friends who are being hired by the digital shops to try and infuse some of that upstream brand thinking. Um, and, you know, I'm sure, you know, little people like us have been trying to acquire, um, either by firm acquisition or acquisition of the talent, much more kind of digital expertise in, into their operating systems. 
Mentioning the, the issue with hiring people and retaining them, um, obviously crowdsourcing is one of these options and it's one of these things we started to experiment a little bit with in London. Is that something you've been looking at here at all? And what, what do you think of agencies like Victor and Spoils who are all about the crowdsourcing? Crowdsourcing is a very interesting uh, approach. Um, it's almost like having a big creative gangbang, isn't it? Uh, that said, um, I do feel that there needs to be some consistent hand of stewardship. I remember, uh, I was, was I chatting to at a party, about how Coke had sort of, when they were just working with any agency in the world, because they, they thought they just wanted to get the best of breed, what they discovered was they probably, you know, if they were working with 35 agencies, they had 35 different cre creative directors' interpretation of their brand. And, you know, sometimes it can be a subjective thing. And so, you know, you've got 32 slightly different interpretations of your brand out in the world, it starts to be less solid about what it is. So I think crowdsourcing definitely has, uh, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of pros for it, but I do think that sometimes that consistent understanding of what the authentic core of a brand is, you've really got to make sure that you don't lose that. Yeah. So with technology and I suppose along with the technology, consumer behaviour evolving at such a rapid pace at the moment and Ogilvy being such a large organisation, um, people always sort of use the sort of slow moving tanker analogy for the big organisations. Is it easy are you, to, to keep up? Is there, is there anything that you're doing in here to try and uh, keep things moving, keep it fresh, keep people adapting? Oh. Uh, we have a very, very aggressive, um, multifaceted uh, set of things in order to try and keep people abreast. Um, we have... It's, Ogilvy is very, very interesting because we have 18,000 generally very smart and very nice people working for us around the world. And... Um, Sometimes you, you learn by osmosis because there's always at least five smart people that you can ask. An example, my, here's a good example. My, my client, you know, obviously has Ogilvy uh, plugged into her Google Alerts. And, she, uh, and one day she got a press release from us uh, which announced the launch of our Muslim marketing practice, Ogilvy Noor. And the next day, she got um, uh, you know, a press release announcing our campaign for Perrier featuring Dita Von Tees, you know, kind of doing semi-nude burlesque online. And she laughed and said, you know, you truly are an utterly global entity. Because um, I know, you know, just within this building here in New York, I can think of three people who I can go and talk, talk to and have an incredible, they can, be incredibly knowledgeable to me about uh, marketing in the Muslim world. Um, I know that I can go and talk to um, someone that will uh, tell me what's on the minds of teenagers in Detroit. So um, there, are, there is a huge amount of 
tremendous knowledge in this organization. And one of my roles is I'm head of uh, learning and talent development for North America. So, you know, what I'm trying to do at the moment with a team of people is find the best way to connect the learners with the teachers. So we have, you know, a lecture series which is totally, you know, free for all. Um, we've had things as diverse as authors like Ariana Huffington coming and talking about something, right down to uh, running a training session on what the H new HMR5 can do. You know, we had 95 people just attending that session. We had standing room for Ariana Huffington. Um, we have all sorts of authors, interesting authors with an interesting point of view. We're almost like a bookstop tour now. Um, we'll have them coming and talking. So there's lots and lots of different ways for people at Ogilvy to find out what's going on. We have uh, a newsletter focusing on digital innovation, which has it, all the cool shit that's happening in the world in, it, that's kind of digitally led, which everything is these days pretty much, available to you in one place. And people can spend 10 minutes with that and be a lot smarter at the end of those 10 minutes. Um, we, we have, you know, everything that we do is videoed or audio recorded and then made available as podcasts and people are you know downloading all of that stuff all of the time for their commute so that you know if they missed interesting authors speaking about you know how would google do it then they can listen to it on the way home so the thing is you know changing you know a company's direction um is a slow happening thing when they say you know Client-side companies, they, they allow anywhere between two and five years for a big kind of shift to happen because you are trying to turn the tanker. But actually, you know, if you think about what's going on inside the tanker, there's a lot of people running up and down, um, furiously doing stuff. And so um, we're able to uh, educate our people seemingly much quicker than we could turn the tanker, so to speak. But, you know, a fundamental shift in how... Um, people do business, that does take time. Now, having worked at a high level both in London and in New York, what are the big differences in terms of maybe the way that agencies work, um, uh, the, how the industry communicates with itself or, or maybe with, with brands? What, what are the big things that really struck you when you moved? Well, firstly, um, when you move to New York, uh, after a while, um, you, you find yourself regarding campaign as a sort of a village weekly. Um, and I remember it was, I, when I lived in, no, lived and worked in London, and everyone was, one, it was a sign of, you know, you'd arrived when you were allowed to order your own copy of campaign on the company thing. And secondly, everyone waited for it, and it was incredibly important if you were one of the faces to watch, or I remember when, you know, Euro put me on the board, and they, they, ran an article about it and all my friends around London were phoning me and and it was fascinating and then when you come here um, the London ad scene feels very small and very kind of inward looking I mean the difference between um, New York I mean, advertising is a business America's all about business and it's and everyone here is very, very business focused. And I find the creative people incredibly focused on the business as well. Whereas in London, it's much more of a, an art form. And um, 
definitely uh, a little bit more precious in London um, than here. And for, uh, one big change is that the creatives like to present their own work here. So the idea of you know being told to sell this or you're dead is a very British one. As opposed, you know that would never rarely happen in America, um, which is interesting because then it throws into a what's the art of you know client you know running business in the U.S. But um, the the nature you know and I you know obviously you know, I was. I'm more senior here than I was in London, so my view may be tempered by that as well. But that, that's my, um, that's the big differences. It's just the size and scale of it. And the other thing is as well, you are generally creating work here. We're generally creating work that's going to be running all around the world. So um, you have to be much smarter about making sure that you don't end up with creative work that's kind of designed down to not upsetting anyone around the world because you know it's very easy to, to to go that route if you're not careful you have to make sure that you're creating the right thing or you know uh make the clients understand that there is actually there is going to be an effectiveness trade-off um uh for financial efficiency of running one thing all around the world um so that the, the job is more complex in that sense you know well, instead of you know worrying about what do you know fifty-six-year-old ladies who are grandmothers in the north of England think, you're having to try and work out um, what the re brand's relationship is with people all around the world, yeah. who are at differing stages of technology adoption or whatever, and got different approaches. You know, and it's it isn't one size fits all. There's one of the great approaches towards doing exactly that is actually I just realised here in my bag. I've got a fantastic book here, which is uh, about the big ideal, mm -hmm. which I, I was given when I was at Ogilvy. And uh, as you'll be able to sort of see here, it's, it's got fluorescent highlighter pen and right. underlinings and, and, and things, bookmarks in there. I, I think it's a, it's a great thing. Could you give a, a, quick, um, a quick description of what the big ideal is about? Yes, and every agency has a shtick. Um, I was hearing someone that we just hired from Saatchi's who was saying that the Saatchi stick is love mark. I actually believe the big ideal is more than that. Um, when we first kind of debuted it, the first client that we debuted it really with was Dove. And I remember thinking to myself, hmm, how am I going to apply this to uh, a large... German software company selling um, very expensive but tremendously effective software to corporations. You know, I was trying to work, how does the Dove campaign for self-esteem transfer to software? But at the end of the day, it's a, tech, it's a sort of a process by where you identify where the brand's best self intersects with what's the cultural context of the time. And um, the kind of the intersection of those two realities are uh, arguably the territory where the brand can exist the best. And that's where the brand's sort of sweet spot is. How we did it on SAP uh, a couple of years ago was um, 
in today's world, you know, transparency and accountability were really the, the zeitgeist. And SAP enables you to see into your, uh, you know, your company's business and be able to, you know, make, make actions based upon it. So we came out with this positioning of clarity, which um, we actually debuted with the, uh, the CEO um, the day that Lehman Brothers fell. And so transparency and accountability suddenly became the, uh, the watchword for everyone. And, you know, arguably, uh, if many of those companies had had clarity into what was going on, we wouldn't have ended up where we were. It was the fact that, you know, everyone was moving at such high speed, but no one really had their hands on the steering wheel anymore because they couldn't really see what was going on. So that was, an, you know, our big idea for SAP was around, was around clarity at the time. It was very, um, very, very kind of prescient and also then incredibly uh, applicable to the times. Um, so it, it proved to me that you can actually do something on the one hand where it's getting men worrying about the self-esteem of their daughters to creating something that um, when a CEO sees it, he says, his response is, brief my speechwriters. This is what I want this company to be about. So um, it was a very useful process. And I, was, I will admit to being quite daunted at the outset of, of the process. But it, what the other thing that I feel is very good about the big idea is because it, it, it encourages clients to be ambitious for their brands. And it raises it up, it raises the debate up to a, a level higher than mere advertising. So for instance, the fact that we were embarked upon this process to try and find the big ideal for SAP gave us um, unfettered access to the board of SAP. So we spoke to every single board member. And I don't think if we'd have said, oh, we're trying to come up with a new advertising campaign, they would have probably taken our calls. Or the CMO would probably have not even set them up. But because we were actually trying to find a, a higher brand ambition for the business and the brand, um, it meant that we got far better insight into the company because we were given, you know, as I said, unfettered access to its real, you know, the people that really made that company, which was the operating board. There's a, a debate that I've heard recently about different approaches to building an agency these days, where one is which the, the big agency model of, of, of buying in everything that you need. So you, so you buy in all the services, trying to have everything under one roof. Um, and the antithesis of that being a small, very nimble agency, which is maybe uh, just an agency of strategists that, that outsource things to specialists. Mm -hmm. um, what are your thoughts on, on those models? Clearly, I'm going to um, be in favour of the larger agency model, because that, that's the operating system that I've generally always lived in. I, I've never worked for a small company. Um, and in fact, I saw a psychic when I was 20. She took hold of my hands and looked me in the eye and said, never work for yourself. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think it's horses for courses. It depends, it depends how and who people want to work with. Some, some, uh, some companies, some brands uh, might prefer an approach where they feel like they're kind of crowdsourcing uh, the execution, for whether it be means of um, getting cheaper execution or whether it's getting uh, like better thinking or whatever. Um, there are other clients that 
uh, need and their business, actually the complexity uh, of their business really demands that it's a very consistent group of people who um, are working on that. Because even when you're executing something, people like to work in different ways. Certain clients have very rigid procurement standards when it comes to execution. Well, it's going to be very hard to deliver against those if you're outsourcing it and you don't really know who these people are. Um, so I'd say horses for courses, and I'm not going to pass a judgment on either approach. I think they both have their, 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 you know, their appeal. And, uh, and finally, um, th there's a David Ogilvy quote, which I, I love and I very often use, which is, uh, goes along the lines of always hiring people who are better than you and you have a company of giants. Um, so is, would that make you the least capable person in the building? <laughs> At some things, yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But, you know, in all seriousness, no. Um, and I think it's Lee... Uh, Lee, oh God, his name. So we we used to hire young people and tell them what to do. Now we should hire them and ask them what to do. Um, all of the young people like the sound of that enormously, but um, I do think that uh, not just because of, uh, and I know they hate this term, the millennials or gen you know, Generation Y. I have all of these so-called you know so-called qualities that they need that they need to be treated differently. People were saying that about me when I was first starting in the business. They don't know they're born and, you know, need to pay their dues and all this sort of stuff. I think it happens every generation. But um, I do think that um, one change that I've seen that I think is very, very good is that we are... It's not that the big thinking happens amongst the senior people and then rolls down for the junior people to do. Ogilvy's are and very, pretty consistently a very meritocratic environment and a, a, an idea can come from anywhere and in fact some of the best ideas which we're executing in this um, agency, not just for clients but about ourselves, have come from some of the youngest people in the building because um, we don't believe that you have to be above a certain pay grade in order for your ideas to be executed. That's great. Spencer, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Well, I've got a few more people to catch up with in New York next time I'm over, and who knows, some of them may even be American. I've got some more interviews lined up right here in London, though. For example, tomorrow I'm off to see Paul Brazier, AMV's executive creative director and a bit of a hero of mine. And you won't have to wait long uh, for that interview either. It's almost like having a weekly radio show. Except not as good. So, it's October right now, just in case you're listening to this podcast in the distant future. Or past, if Google get their act together. And here in London, we've just had our annual four days of summer. It would have been better if they'd been placed in the correct season, but mustn't grumble. So last night, after enjoying our first and last and only barbecue of the year, I coaxed my daughter into reviewing some advertising. And she must have been on a vitamin D high because she was actually pretty positive. Here she is. Advertising, advertising. 
advertise, no schmadvertising There's all a book read, I was trying to get through the door They're working all the shit that people try to ignore It's advertising Last day of our strange London Indian summer, and we've just been outside and we've had a barbecue. So now back inside and looking at two banners and one television ad. So the first banner we've got here is for McDonald's and it's called Time to Spy Grimace. Of course, I'll give you links to all this stuff on the website. So would you like to try this out? All you do is it's an interactive YouTube video and you've got to try and click on a character through the video. Okay. So you want to give it a shot? I'm up for it. And go. So we see a purple blob and now we're going through a city from the point of view of somebody walking there. Oh, that's... Oh, we missed it. Oh. We hand over money. Lots of people wearing purple, but not the purple blob. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Did you get it? Yeah. Oh, well done. Now you've got to click on Hamburglar. Yeah. You got him. Well done. Oh, now I have to get a bird. Click on birdie to get to the next level. Oh, you just missed. Oh, Ooh, I just saw one there as well. Oh, well. Oh, you missed. Oh, I saw two of them. So, now you can switch the sound down on this. Fantastic. An interactive YouTube video. Not the first time you've seen one of those. But was this a good one? Better than the actual McDonald's. It's, be- it's better than the product. Yeah. W- would it convince you to buy a burger? No, but it's fun. It's fun. That's good. Is it, is it something you think you might tell people about? Probably. And you thought it was enjoyable to play? Yeah. Did you feel it was it was quite fresh? Idea being able to do this search through the, the YouTube video? Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. So, so would you give this a thumbs up, a thumbs down, or a thumbs somewhere in the middle? Oh, a resounding thumbs up. Well done, McDonald's, even although we don't want to eat your burgers. Right. Next up, back onto YouTube again for an advert for Allstate. Now, this is one that I saw on the television just a few days ago um, when I was streaming some American television into good old London. And this is the raccoon television ad. Here we go. Let's play this. Okay, so a man pretending to be a raccoon jumping about in the fluffy loft insulation in somebody's house. What do you think of that? Strange. <laughs> <laughs> now, w- w- was it funny? Kind of, but kind of creepy. What, what did you What did you think of him as an actor? Uh, um, mad. A bit mad. 
So, for this one, I know that you're not really the kind of person who's quite in the market to buy home insurance, but would you give that ad a thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs somewhere in the middle? Somewhere in the middle. There we go, Allstate. I'm afraid that uh, 11-year-olds that aren't your target market don't quite get your ad, but find it slightly funny in it in, at the same time. Right, so on to our final thing, which is something that discovered today on YouTube, which is on the home page. And it seems to be done by Lean Mean Fighting Machine, because they've certainly got their name all over it. It looks as if it's something that's a bit quirky, it's, uh, it's, it's hand-drawn, and it doesn't really say too much. It just says, click here to speak. So we're going to try this, see what happens when we, we click on this, and you're going to say some words into this, and we'll see what happens, okay? Are you ready? Yep. You got your words prepared? Yep. Okay, here we go. Barbecue. So some cogs are whirring. The noise is happening. A little snippet of video whirs past there, which is presumably got something to do with barbecue. Let, let, let's uh, let's click on. Uh, this again and give us another word here. Homework. Oh yes. More whirring. Conveyor belt comes along with a video on it. Which I presume has got something to do with homework. Oh, it came up hemlock instead of homework. Ah, right, okay. Let's see if it understands another word. Are you ready? Podcast. Nice one. Oh, yep, there we go. Lots of noise. See, it didn't come up with podcast at all. It came up with cost. Now, uh, let, let's just try one more word. To, it's got two out of three words wrong, and this probably isn't down to Lean Mean Fighting Machine at all. This is down to just Google's search. You ready? One more word. Alien. Right. It didn't work. It came up with the letter A and the letter M. Oh, it's noisy. Another video comes along the conveyor belt and spins past. Right, so what do you think this thing does? Um, it kind of transfers your word into a video. Yeah, and what do you think about that? It's quite cool. It's pretty cool. Um, did you think it was quite fun, even although it was quite inaccurate? Yeah. So is it something that you'd maybe like to play with again? Yeah. Um, see if you can get a few more words that we'll actually recognise. Yeah. Because certainly we tried earlier on with, with our names and it didn't recognise our names. That wasn't very good. So, for this, would you give this a thumbs up, thumbs down, thumb somewhere in the middle? Wow. A thumbs up. Up-ish. Up, up thumbs up-ish. 
Well done, Lean Mean Fighting Machine. You seem to do not a bad job there. So, that's us done for today. That's three thingamajigs um, reviewed by you. So, I think it's probably time for you to say goodbye now. Bye. So, now we've fallen off the end of all the interesting stuff. If you've got any sense, you'll stop listening right now and get back to that Justin Bieber album I interrupted you from. At the time of broadcast, there's still time for all of you lovely people in Manchester and Edinburgh to book your places on my transmedia workshops that I'm doing up there. The details are on the website. Uh, that's futureofadvertising.info, in case you've forgotten. In the next episode, I'll be launching the sponsored series of podcasts. Woohoo! Really excited about that. You should probably keep your iTunes running at all times so that you can get it as soon as it's released. And please, people, and that means you, drop me a line. Even just to say hello, or just to tell me that the podcast sucks, or to suggest someone to interview. If you're a fellow MacTard, Tapping on the link on screen right now should get you started with that, so do it. Come on. Right now. Go. Right, thank you, thank you. Right, now, go away. I've had enough of you. Cheery bye. <laughs> <laughs>